This is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budget, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow, all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Head to NetSuite.com slash C-Suite for special end-of-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. This podcast is produced by podcastandradio.com. Small Biz. Small Biz America. The Brain. Our guest on this segment is the Senior Director of Small Business Risk Management for LexisNexis Risk Solutions. Ben Cutler is passionate about leveraging data, technology, advanced analytics to bring more micro and more small businesses into the financial system so they can make more products, hire more people, and grow the economy. Joining us on the line from St. George, Utah is Ben Cutler from LexisNexis. Ben, welcome to the program. Very good, thank you. This is a fascinating model. As I was speaking with uh, Jean, who works with you uh, on scheduling this particular podcast interview Uh, She set it up for me, and I I was just really amazed, first of all, to hear that there are so many businesses that are not included in the uh, what what we'll call the regulated or semi-regulated financial uh, ecosystem. Uh, When you talk about financial inclusion for businesses, what exactly does that mean? Yeah, financial inclusion, uh, access and use of credit or other banking instruments. It's It's a concept that's received a lot of buzz, a lot of billing in consumer markets for many years now, you know, uh, serving the underserved consumer. Now, what's interesting is just over the past maybe two to three quarters, this has been a concept gaining a lot of steam for small businesses as well. We're hearing interest from government agencies monitoring um, what type of lending is happening to small businesses, Um, also segments of the small business market, women and minority-owned businesses, also a lot of interest from the industry at large. In fact, many large banks right now are having discussions and um, working groups um, really delving into this this concept of uh, including more small businesses in the the broader um, credit environment. Ben, from where you sit, what's the reason that banks no longer or fail to provide a wider degree of inclusion when it comes to financing and uh, capital formation? Yeah, you know, what the problem has been for, for many years now is what I like to call the information gap on small businesses. You know, unfortunately, you know, when you look thinking about a small business lender, um, if they don't have enough information to make a solid credit decision, many times they, they just don't make the credit decision, right? And that's what's mm-hmm. left many of these small businesses on the fringe of the traditional credit environment. Uh, the small business information gap, you know, there's three real drivers there. First of all, small businesses, they're not homogeneous. And if you think about the thing that unites small businesses the most is perhaps just that word small business. 
I mean, we're talking of entities of different size, different industries, different geographies, um, legal entity types, you know, sole props, all the way up to different types of corporations that have different histories and economics. So there's just a lot of differences in businesses that makes them difficult to generalize, makes it difficult to make a rule of thumb decision. So that's, that's one major point of this information gap. Second piece, um, entity resolution is a challenge. In other words, identifying who that business is and all the information that pertains to that small business. So thinking about things like name variations and DBAs of small businesses, um, as we've mined our own data, we found over 30 ways that the word corporation or incorporated is spelled or misspelled mm. or uh, abbreviated. So just names themselves are difficult. Legal structures, they're amorphous. Um, they're, they're changing. A uh, business can begin as a sole prop and move to a corporation, um, can be in multiple locations at the same time. Reporting requirements are, are different. Um, so just understanding what the business entity is of itself has been a challenge for many lenders. And the final piece of this information gap is a small business tends to be what's well, a maximum in the industry. A small business is the person or the people behind that business. So you can't just look at the business entity. Lenders have to understand the person and their credit standing and uh, their expertise, if they have any baggage, if there's any negative or derogatory public records in their background as well. And this credit scoring piece, if I understand it right, the, uh, the way that you're suggesting we might move is out of strict FICO-driven or business credit quality types of underwriting. Uh, I mean, that's my language. How would you uh, characterize the movement away from what has been to what ideally will be under this new kind of uh, program for underwriting? Really, it's an expansion of the type of information used to assess the risk associated with the business. So what we've seen, when there is a credit history on file for a small business, it is very predictive of its risk. The problem is, in a typical through-the-door population of business applicants. So think of a, a small business card and the thousands of small businesses applying for a small business card a year. Well, only about half of those have a traditional credit report. And of those half, about half of those are what we'd call a thin file, meaning they only have one or two trades on file. Perhaps they have a small business card, but they don't have um, any uh, larger lines or loans from a financial institution. So the, the result is many of the businesses seeking credit, there's just not a credit history to indicate their credit worthiness. So the trend is look at other sources of information, and we call it alternative data, but other indicators of the existence of that business, of the willingness to repay on obligations, the ability to apply, uh, repay on obligations, and the general reputation of that small business. The impact of small business on our macro economy can't be overstated. Talk to me a little bit about how you see the role of this kind of thinking. Well, why it's so important. And I've all almost answered my own question, but maybe you've got some numbers or some quantification around how important small business is to the drivers of the economy. Sure, sure. Um, you know, so I'd look at some general industry metrics there. So the Small Business Administration, they have this group called the Office of Advocacy, and they put out uh, statistics every year that couch how important small businesses are or the, the role they play in the U.S. economy. Uh, their metrics are pretty impressive. 99.9% .9 of all firms are deemed as small businesses. 99.7% um, wow. of firms with paid employees are small businesses. 63% of net new jobs 
come from the small business, and about 48% or just under half of all private sector employees work for small businesses. In other words, um, small business environment is absolutely critical to the broader U.S. economy. Now, when you look at who these small businesses are, again, it runs the gamut. Industries, size, experience, background, geographies. Um, many of these businesses, however, are the small micro or I'd say small, small, I'd say small business. In other words, um, many of these, in fact, over two-thirds have less than $250,000 of annual revenue. Many of them employ less than four employees. Uh, in fact, um, almost a third have no payroll at all. We're talking about the sole props at that point. So the ability for these businesses to access the funding necessary to grow leads to uh, additional net new jobs, uh, which in turn leads to the overall macroeconomic growth of the economy. Ben, in sort of thinking about what I'll call a revolution around how banks think about underwriting small businesses, how difficult will it be or how willing will these will traditional bankers uh, be to beginning to look at alternative data? And what has been your experience with that process thus far? Seen a very strong trend over the past, again, probably, uh, probably two to three quarters. Um, a lot of this comes down to uh, the fact that many of the applicants that the business that these lenders are assessing don't have the information necessary to make a traditional credit decision. So they've missed out on and the bank, on the lender's point of view, missed out on many lending opportunities. So effectively, they're attempting to expand their markets, not by sourcing additional applicants, but doing better at assessing the risk of the applicants that they already have. Yeah. From a small business owner's point of view, um, several surveys out there uh, that try to get to the question, well, you small business owner, why do you think that you've been declined for credit? Yeah. And what's interesting there is they kind of go back to this concept of the information gap as well. Um, so a recent survey came out, um, that very question, why do you think your small business was recently declined for credit? About 40% of the small business owners said, I mean, my business is too new. And about the same amount said, my business does not have a lengthy credit history. Then after that, the most common response was, the bank just didn't know enough about my business. In other words, this lack of information has been probably the largest hurdle to get over uh, in this concept of financial inclusion. And that's the, the value of broadening our, 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 the data that we're looking at using these alternative data sources that have a much broader view of businesses, um, a much more um, expansive footprint out in the data environment that then leads to a, a broader ability to assess the, the credit risk. This fascinating data and sort of this, this qualitative list of things that business owners believe are being missed or where this information gap occurs. Ben Cutler is our guest. He is with risk.lexisnexus.com. That's the website, of course, the company LexisNexus Risk Solutions. Ben, from the LexisNexus perspective, are you actually engaged in a program to educate bankers of the world in the country, let's say, about this methodology? That's a lot of what we're doing is um, through um, discussions, so qualitative approach. But uh, really where the rubber hits the road is more of the quantitative approach. So sure. We've done um, data testing with uh, many, many of the largest small business lenders where we can go in and show the actual lift of predictive power. 
of including alternative sources of information in the credit decision. Um, and it's, you know, it's really through that process where the lender can see um, the benefit, usually in a, kind of a retro testing analysis, but really see what the benefit would be to bring these data sources uh, in-house and begin to use these data sources in the uh, credit decision. All right, good. So we are going to see... Uh more and more of this type of transition. Now, from the perspective of the small business owner, and you spoke to this slightly, um, how can they talk to their banker about this issue, about the data gap? Yeah. You know, I think a lot of it comes down to if the small business owner wants to increase their, I mean, really small business owners trying to um, increase their access to credit, right? So a few things to to do there. Uh, First, to become more visible. Um, so one thing that certainly helps is to transact in the business name as compared to transacting in the owner's name. Now, sure. a moment ago, we mentioned this app information gap, how there's this overlap of people of business. You know, many times a small business owner is securing credit under their own name. Uh, many times their, their lights, their utilities, their uh, facilities, everything is under the person's name rather than the business. So the more they can make the business visible, um, that certainly helps. Um, it can come from everything from uh, registering through um, government channels, secretary of state or local businesses, licenses. Um, I already mentioned phone and utility, but even web presence can help there. Um, you know, other ways to increase the credit worthiness or um, get over this information gap for the small business owner. Um, if the business does not already have a credit file, um, start with a, a respected financial institution that reports its payments performance to a small business credit uh, reporting bureau. And at that point, start building the file, again, in the business name as compared to what's happened traditionally in the, con- the uh, small business owner's name. Yeah. Yep, so uh, that's, that's in the banking environment. Um, of course, many small businesses uh, finance their activities through trade credit, right? So really working with their supply chain suppliers. Now, that uh, is information that's also collected, that's also reported on. So using that wisely um, helps build a payment performance history in the trade credit, which is one of the sources that we're bringing in for this holistic approach to the credit risk assessment. Okay. And you mentioned one of the things that you're bringing in. What are some of the others? I think we may have mentioned them somewhere uh, amidst this interview, but what are some of them, if you could just tick them off for us so we have a sense of it? One is the trade line uh, activity. Go ahead, please. Yeah. You know, I I call this the, um, the triple crown of data sources. So when you think of a small business, many times they're receiving um, bank credit, Right, so small business card, loans and lines, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are receiving trade credit, so this is um, supply chain finance. Yep. And then the third group is what I'm calling alternative data. Right, so uh, this alternative data can include everything from uh, registrations with the Secretary of State to uh, property ownership to utility data, um, business licenses, um, derogatory experiences, bankruptcies judgments, tax liens, uh, UCC information, right? So it's really the combination of those three things, the bank data, the trade data, and the alternative data that provides the most robust view on this business entity. And then as we combine that into um, reporting products, be it a a score or a report, that's what many of these uh, lenders are looking at to see the most holistic view of a small business's performance, either in the credit world or in the alternative data world. Sure. In the interest of, uh, of quantifying all of that data. Um, Absolutely. So those three, those three really pillars of data that can be useful to small businesses as they approach 
banking institutions for uh, uh, credit facilities, um, really establishing credit in their own name, in the business name, rather than their own personal, is uh, key to this. And that's that's been out there. In addition to the work you do talking to the banking industry, are you also, uh, or do you have a way that business owners that may be listening can learn more about how to improve uh, all three of their classifications of data that you mentioned? Yep, yep. So uh, kind of breaking them down by source, um, the alternative data, a lot of that comes back to this concept of being visible, being visible in the data environment. Again, in these many sources, using your uh, business identity to, um, uh, to register for services, yeah. to um, open your business and such. Sure. On the bank credit side, it's working with reputable financial institutions that report to a, um, a commercial credit bureau. So that's a discussion to have with um, your banking partner at that point to understand what their reporting process is. And then on the trade credit, um, a similar process, understanding if your trade credit or your supply chain partners are reporting performance of your payment as a small business owner to a um, trade credit reporting bureau. Okay, so there are trade credit reporting bureaus as distinguished from the standard uh reporting bureaus that work to report credit quality. So that's a very mm-hmm. different kind of reporting mechanism. Yeah, and there's um, some of the uh, the bureaus uh, collect both the bank credit payments and the trade credit payments. Okay. Others will just focus on one or the other. Okay, great. Ben Cutler from LexisNexis uh, Risk. The website, once again, is www.risk.lexisnexis.com. Ben Cutler, thanks so much. Great information for the small business owner. Appreciate you joining us today. Well, thank you very much. Small Biz. Small Biz America. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.